Okay, I'm glad you're here. Um, we're coming up on the, the new year, and uh, we're in the month of Elul, and this is a, a great, uh, an, an, an amazing uh, opportunity that God gives us to, to prepare for, for the... Uh, for the for the Yom Adin, which would be sort of, if I were to give it the most scary translation, that would be Judgment Day, which is uh, which is Rosh Hashanah. On um, Rosh Hashanah, we know that that Hashem puts a, a brand new light into the world. It's not the light from the previous year. It's a brand new. It's a brand new world. It's a brand new light, and um, we get a brand new set of marching orders for the year. So, so everyone wants to figure out how can I have the best new year. The, we all we all want to have a good new year. So, so, so we have to get it right. And um, and the year that that God gives us or decrees for us on Rosh Hashanah. And remember, let's just think more expansively for a moment. It comes down on Rosh Hashanah, but it's um, it's sealed on on Yom Kippur. So really, it's not just Rosh Hashanah, but Rosh Hashanah, you want to get it right for Rosh Hashanah. Um, and then it's, uh, we have these awesome set of 10 days culminating in Yom Kippur. And then that's when it's sealed. And then everybody knows, also, you really have till Hoshanah Rabbah. But if you want to kind of just do it in the most, uh, if you want it to sort of flow and you want to kind of like color within the lines, so to speak, you want to get it right by Yom Kippur for sure. But the reality is, is that you really want to get it right in time for Rosh Hashanah. And so that puts this amazing premium on this month that we're in right now, which is Elul. God gives us Elul as a gift where he opens up all the gates and allows all the efforts that we're doing right now to really represent who we most are. In other words, imagine you're in a relationship with someone and the person is late all the time. He's always, always, always late. But really, the last three times he shows up, he's on time. Or maybe he's even a little bit early. So what do you think? You think that, all right, so he was late this many times. He was on time this many times. Really, he's a guy who's always late. <laughs> you know, that's, that's the reality. So, but that's, that's it's, it, it doesn't go like that. That's the gift of Elul. It's like, imagine if you're late, 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 and then in Elul, all of a sudden you're arriving on time, God looks at you as a guy who's on time. Not only as a guy who's on time, but as someone who really worked to uproot a bad character trait in order to become on time. So he's really on time. It's not he's just kind of on time or I'm going to get him the benefit of doubt and call him on time. No, no, no. This person changed his whole life and now he's really on time. See, that's, that's what Elul is. So the actions that we make, you know, I compared it before to like gift wrapping. Like when you present a present to someone, the first thing they see is the gift wrapping. And if the gift wrapping is really beautiful, even though that's just the outside of the box, that very, in, it's very impactful how someone experiences what's coming next. So Elul, we have this chance with our good deeds to put this like beautiful wrapping around ourselves. And it's very, very meaningful. It's not a joke. It's very, very meaningful. So, so with this in mind, let's go deeper and explore um, a very, a very far-ranging topic. And really, the truth is, is that you can spend many, 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 many hours, you know, or days, or weeks, or months, or years, 
trying to grasp uh, this topic. Um, so we're just going to touch on it, but, but, but maybe we'll make a little progress. The, the subject is mazel. Um, mazel is uh, really, and why are we discussing it now, just so you know, because the tribe of the month of Elul is Gad, and Gad basically means good mazel. Right? Because when, when Leah has Gad, she says, basically, this is, this is like really good. This is like my, my circumstances have changed for the better. So it's very appropriate that, that, that Elul is, um, is associated with Mazel through the, um, through the translation of the tribe of Gad, which is the month of Elul. So, so mazel is a very, very difficult subject because mazel and, and, and within some translations would really mean one's fate. So like there are people who, and this is used conversationally and colloquially, and it's, it's not that accurate. So don't, don't overlearn what I'm about to say, but I'm just trying to give you people's impressions. They'll go, ah. Oh, that happened to that person because he has bad mazel, or this happened to me because I have good mazel, or whatever it is. And people throw around this idea of mazel as this sort of like, this sense of destiny that can't be altered. And yet, we know that um, by the Jewish people, we say that we're above mazel. That, that we don't have this sort of fixed destiny. And the example that's given of how we're beyond Mazel is that when, um, when, when Abraham uh, goes childless and he's, um, you know, 90 years old at this point or 99 years old, I guess. I guess, I guess Sarah was 90, Abraham is, is 99, right? And Hashem says, you're going to have a kid and, and, and his name at that point is Avram. And so Avram you know, understood how to read the the constellations, and he says, "Look, it says it says that I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not destined to have a child." And Hashem agrees. He says, "You're right. Avram is not, but Avraham, Avraham is." And he lifted Avraham above the constellations, meaning to say that he showed Avraham that he and his progeny, the Jewish people, are beyond. This, this, this idea of um, this prison of destiny, if you will. And he adds the letter Hey to his, his name. And of course, Abraham becomes the father of, of actually not just the Jewish people, but of many nations. So he, his, his progeny are like off the charts, the number of kids that he has. Um, so this is, this is the example that's given to show that, that Abraham is that the Jewish people are beyond Mazel. Now, I, I'll tell you something, sort of a companion piece of this. I, I hope I'll be able to say it <laughs> accurately. This, this thought is very elusive for me. So it flies in and out of my head. Sometimes I'm able to say it, sometimes I'm not, but God willing, I'll be able to say it. I was once looking at the word Israel, Israel in Hebrew. And Israel, if you rearrange the letters of Israel, it, it spells the words Lo Sarai. Now Sarai, you know, is the original name for Sarah. And just like Avram was not destined to have children, Sarai, O 
also was not destined to have children. But Sarah was. So Yisrael, the Jewish people, is lo Sarai because it's Sarah. You understand? And Sarah, the mother of Israel, is beyond Mazel. <laughs> okay, thank God it came down properly. So anyway, so, so there you see a companion piece um, for, for this idea. All right. Now there's one huge problem with all of this. Okay, now that I've told you how we're beyond Mazel and everything like that, the Gomorrah says otherwise. All right. Now, if you look in the Gemara in in Masech to Shabbos, page one fifty six, it tells you there are two opinions. One opinion is that the Jewish people are absolutely subject to Mazel, and the second opinion, what would you guess the second opinion to be? That we're not subject to Mazel, right? Wrong. The second opinion is we're absolutely subject to Mazel, also, except we can get beyond it with. With, 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 with our mitzvot and with our tefillah. So this is very, very meaningful because here you see in the Gemara that both opinions, the, the one who says that we're subject to mazel and the one who disagrees also says we're subject to mazel. So everyone seems to be agreeing that we're subject to mazel, but what he says, what the second opinion says, and this is what we hold by, is that while there is mazel, and that would, um, regarding, say, a person's lifespan, person's children, person's uh, finances, right, person's intelligence, that a lot of these things absolutely are determined by mazel. The critical factor, by the way, just as an aside, the critical factor of a person's life, which is whether or not they have an awareness of Hashem, which is really the only, the only game in town, right? Because that's basically why the world is created and why each one of us is created, is just to see whether we have this awareness of Hashem. That is completely up to us and is not one iota, not one percent subject to Mazel. That is completely in our hands, whether we recognize our Maker, okay? Um, but to get back to the Second point, a person can change their mazel, says the Gemara, through prayer and through good deeds. And then there's a PS on that, that if you really want to change your mazel, right, it actually has to be a big schus. It actually has to be a big mitzvah. Right? So, so that's, that's something to keep in mind. Like if someone's really kind of having a run of hardship, and they're saying, you know what, I've got a formula from the Talmud that I can change my mazel, you got to think big. That's what our rabbis are telling us. Got to make a big project, right? You got to, that's just, that's just what it is, basically, okay? Now, I want to go, what I think, now, for me, deeper, is try to, try to make this more understandable, because all of this kind of makes sense but it's a, I think it's very, very abstract, okay? I think that we have to really try to understand this more fully. And we have to try to understand the connection between the fact that Rosh Hashanah is coming up and the fact that the month right before Rosh Hashanah is dealing with Mazel, right? So in other words, in other words, clearly we have an, uh, the ability to impact what our new year is going to be. So we have this, this ability 
to change our muzzle or to deal within our muzzle because that's the association. Remember, the tribe of every month has a tribe. The tribe of Elul is Gad. Gad means good muzzle. So if, if the, the subject of mazel is being presented to us right before our judgment is about to come down, that is because we have the ability to alter our mazel for the good year, for the new year. So how do we do it? How do we do it? So we just said, well, do a really big mitzvah. Okay, well, that's, that's one way of understanding it. But let's, let's get a little bit more, uh, little, let's drill down some more, get a little more concrete, and approach it from another angle. Because there's, there's another way to understand this as well. What does Muslim mean in this context? Okay, so Muslim can mean fate, can mean destiny. It also comes from the Hebrew word that means a flow, a divine flow. And so to put it more in astrological terms or astronomical terms, what's happening is there's, there's certain divine flows that are coming down all the time, right? And they have different personalities, if you will. Just the nature of the flow that's coming down, right? Like in modern Hebrew, the word for a runny nose is connected to the Hebrew word mazel. Right? Again, it, it means a flow. Okay? So now we're talking about it in the most sort of um, exalted, sort of esoteric way. Right? We're talking about the, the nature of the energy that's coming down from heaven at that moment. So at the time of a person's birth, there's a certain energy flow at that moment because the flow is always coming down. And so the nature of that flow will determine certain aspects of, of the person. All right, but, but we have to get into what the actual cause and effect is. Meaning to say, is it just sort of like, ah, just my luck. At that moment, this was the personality of the flow and I got stuck with bad mazel. Ah, bad luck. Okay, so that's, that's not it at all. It's much deeper than that. So now let's switch topics and, and we're going to approach how it's different from another angle. Because I'm going to give you a different definition of mazel right now, which I think is a much more practical um, understanding of mazel, which is for a person to understand that basically basically every single person in this world has something to fix. And as I heard Rip Shlomo Karlbach put it one time, this world is like a big hospital clinic, right? Everyone is here to fix something. And so what Hashem does in his chesed, in his in his great love for us. Now listen very carefully, because I'm giving you a, a, a very good working definition of mazel right now. What Hashem in his great love does is he aligns the circumstances of our life in such a way to maximize our ability to fix what we need to fix. Meaning to say, our finances, our relationships, our, our health, all of these things are arranged in order for us to have the climate, so to speak, to fix what we need to fix. All right. So now we have to, we have to work with that. We have to work with that further. So, so 
So how does that, what, what does that mean for my Rosh Hashanah? You're telling me, okay, so everything's in Hashem's hands. He set all the circumstances. What about me? What, what role do I play in all of that? How can I be proactive? Since, since obviously it's the month of Elul, my tefillah counts, my prayers count, my actions count. So how can I be proactive? Where do I fit into that, that idea that God is arranging the circumstances of my life in order to help me fix something? All right. So I thought of an example. This is my example. But here's how I understand it. Okay? So now listen, listen to this, okay? Imagine there's a wedding that you want to go to. Right? It's, you know, you can flesh out all the details in your mind. It's someone you're close to. Maybe it's a family member. You can make up your own story in your head. But you really want to, you really want to go to this wedding. And you've got to fly to a certain place in order to go to this wedding. All right? It's very important to you. So what happens? What happens is there's a big snowstorm. On the day of the wedding, all the flights are grounded, and you can't go to the wedding. And you're bitterly disappointed. This was so important, and I can't go. All right. Now, what's going on? Now, I'm making up this example, okay, but I'm trying to tell you how, how this works to the best that I, I, I understand. What's, what's going on on a deeper level? The person has some things to do. Let's say they've got some work to do. Let's say they've got five reports that they haven't filed yet. And so what Hashem is doing is, He's saying, you know something? You've got to do your five reports. You can't go to this wedding. You stay here and you do the work. You get the work out of your inbox. You get it in your outbox. And then this blockage that's in front of you is going to be removed. So, but the thing is, where this gets really tricky and complicated is, how did I... The, the person is, most people will be very unlikely to make the connection between the fact that it snowed and they can't go to the wedding and the fact that they've got this work to do and God is actually maximizing the circumstances for them to be able to do the work that they need to work to do. Now you can stay home. All the roads are closed. All the stores are closed. You can sit down and you can do your work. But a lot of people don't do the work because <laughs> they don't think deeply into what their circumstances are. Now remember, remember what the Rambam says, that if a person's, if, the, if, if God forbid, the circumstances of a person's life start to crumble and fall apart, right? Health, finances, things like that. They have to examine their behavior. And if they don't, he uses this word, which is always very, like, it's very, very striking to me. He uses the word axarius, which means cruelty. That a person is actually being cruel to themselves by not investigating their behavior. So now let's revisit the story of the wedding and the reports, and let's do the happy version of it, okay? Imagine person wants to go to a wedding very much. He's got the plane ticket and he hears there's a weather report. It might snow. Oh boy, I really hope it doesn't snow because I, you know, the flights are going to get grounded and I really want to get to this place. Right? And it's like, oh, and I've got all this work I need to do. Oh, 
okay, well, I, not that he's making the connection, I'll do the work and it won't snow. I'm, I'm saying he, he's not making the connection. But he knows that he's going to be busy all weekend and everything like that. He's not going to have time to get his work done. So he sits down, he does all of his work, and then he turns on the radio, ah, clear weather today. <laughs> that snowstorm, it went the other way. It didn't go our way. See, because here's the point. Hashem didn't have to create new circumstances and new blockages and obstacles in order for the person to be able to have the time to do what they needed to do. In that instance, the person already did the work. So there was no need for that snowstorm. So I hope I'm being clear. Again, let's revisit this idea. The working definition of mazel is that Hashem creates all of the circumstances of our life in a certain way to maximize our ability to fix what we need to fix in this world. But if a person is doing the work that they need to work, if they're doing the work that they need to do, then then the circumstances of their life change. Because now I don't need to have like a snowstorm that shut down the entire city so that I can't leave my house, which is we experience as a tremendous frustration and a slap in the face, but really it's an act of love because there's work that we need to do and now we'll be able to do it. Right? If I'm doing the work, I don't need to be locked in the house. Now God creates a new set of circumstances. Like, well, look, he already got that stuff done. So let's invite him to give a speech over here in Ohio or something like this, you know? No, he doesn't have to do that stuff. Now he has all the wherewithal and he can go ahead and do this. So I'm creating a new set of circumstances for him so that he can progress to whatever the next chapter in his life is. So now this is, now it's tied all back together between Elul and Rosh Hashanah. If the new circumstances of our life are coming down on Rosh Hashanah, if they're going to be decreed on Rosh Hashanah, then they're going to be extremely precise and exact to make sure that the circumstances of our life are just right to help us do what we need to do. But if we've gotten, if we've done the work and we've gotten all the stuff from the inbox and it's now in the outbox, well then my mazel changes. Meaning the circumstances of my life change now because I've done the work that I needed to do. So this again is the great gift of Elul. Everyone, if you, if you, if you believe what I'm saying, if you understand the words of the rabbi, rabbis, you'll look into your life and you'll say, what, 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 what promises did I make that I haven't kept? What, what projects have I sort of been in, you know, working glacially on? You know, and I, I certainly have a long list of those. You know, just make a deadline. At least, again, like the person who was always late, but then they come on time a few times, right? At least if you demonstrate to Hashem, to God, 
that you're aware of what you need to do and you're actually making active efforts toward doing what you need to do, then that means a lot. Then that means a lot. Right? Like, for instance, imagine you've got... um, you give a, a suit into a dry cleaner. You show up to the dry cleaner. You say, okay. You said, it's ready Monday. Where's Monday? And the dry cleaner says, oh, I've been so busy. I'm really sorry. It's just not ready. And then you come back the next day. He goes, oh, you know something? Um, my college roommate came in from out of town. <laughs> what? The suit's not ready. It's not ready. Right? You show up again. It says, out to lunch. It's 4 p.m. <laughs> The door's locked. So next time you have dry cleaning, where are you taking it? I'll tell you where you're taking it. Not to him. That's where you're taking it. <laughs> so, so if we've got all the, this stuff, all this work that we haven't done, and God's like, okay, who am I taking the, who am I taking the new opportunity to? <laughs> but this guy hasn't, this guy hasn't given me back my suits. <laughs> this guy's been closed for business for I don't know how many years. I'm taking it to him. Let him do, let him do what he needs to do. Then, then when the shop is open, I'll bring him some new stuff. I read something today, a quote from someone that really... You know, the, the, remember, every month has a, uh, a fixing. And the, and the fixing for the month of Elul is action. And I saw something that really resonated with me. I don't know if you heard about these guys on the, on the train in France, these heroes. Unbelievable story. Um, there was a, a terrorist, I guess this happened the other day. There was a, a terrorist who um, had automatic weapons and um, a knife and a gun and just, you know, he's armed to the teeth um, and he's walking down the aisle of this, this uh, high-speed train going from Amsterdam to Paris and he's, you know, everyone's sitting ducks. Can you imagine the, in the middle of this train? This just happened. He can, who knows, he can kill dozens or who knows, maybe even hundreds of people. How many people are on that train? And... Um, there were some American servicemen who were on vacation and they heard a, a shot being fired and the three of them, one of them just said, let's go. And the other two followed him and they, they completely knocked him out before he could kill a single person. And then, and, and after they knocked him out, the person who was shot, they then saved that person's life. But the reason why I bring up the story, besides it's a, a nace, you know, amazing that they were able to take this guy down, this guy could have done maximum damage, maximum damage. There was an older, now these guys were servicemen, right? So they're like super highly trained American soldiers, right? There was an older British businessman, and he jumped in. When he saw the three of them jump in, he also jumped in. And he had a quote, I'm paraphrasing it, but, but this was the quote. He said, he said, um, I figured I'm going to die anyway. So I might as well help. But that wasn't the quote. Here's the quote. 
he said, but once I went into action, the fear disappeared. I thought that was very... Uh, now, what do we say? That, that, the, that the fixing of the month of Elul is action. Right? I thought that that was... To, to me, that was very resonant. That once I went into action, the fear disappeared. And remember, we have this great enemy. It's called the Yetzirah. And it's, it's actually an angel that's assigned to us and, and who knows us better than we know ourselves because it's an angel. And it says every day it strengthens itself with brand new arguments. And so for so many of us, there's this huge gap between desire and action. Right? They say that the biggest distance in the entire world is the is the distance between the mind and the heart. Right? That's basically, wow. It's the hugest expanse in the universe. See, because a lot of us, they, they, they say the phrase, are cardiac Jews. We're, we're Jews at heart, <laughs> right? But with our hands and our feet, not so much. And bridging that gap is, is the key is the key move in life, is bridging that gap and bringing it into the world in the form of action. You know, they, they, there's a, a story that basically someone goes up to Shemayim, it's, this is made up, but it illustrates a point. Someone goes up to heaven and he sees that there's a group of people that's being very highly honored and treated very beautifully, and the person's not in that group, and he says, Oh, you know, I want to be in that group. And they, he says, well, what's so special about them? And they say, well, those people gave a lot of charity. And he says, okay, so I'll give some charity too. And they say, no, up here we only take receipts. You know what that means? You have to have already have done it. That, that means action now. And I heard a story which was so beautiful from Oliver Sacks, the, the great doctor, neurologist, writer, wrote a piece about the importance of Shabbos. He's at the end of his life right now. Um, it was in the New York Times op-ed piece. Highly recommended. An amazing, amazing piece. Just Google Oliver Sacks, S-A-C-K-S, no relation, and the word Sabbath. You'll see something very remarkable. And, um, and he was in a period of his life where he wasn't believing at all. And he was friends with a very great man, a, a Torah-observant Nobel Prize winner, who, who, uh, who gave him a mezuzah. And he said, I know you don't believe, but put it up anyway. And, and I love that. I love that. Because a lot of people think that they're doing themselves a great favor. They say, oh, you know something, when I fully understand it, don't make me do something I don't understand. When I fully understand it, then I'll do it. You know what? Do it anyway. <laughs> do it anyway. And then you'll be amazed. Once you do it, you'll begin to understand it. You know, they, uh, there's a lot of power to, to action. And, and a person's actions shape them. They shape how they think. 
your actions become a lens through which you see the world through. And what a lot of people think is that I'm thinking about it, so they think that they're being very, very smart, but they don't realize that their quote-unquote thinking about it is an action, and the description of that action is called paralysis. They're not thinking about it. They're paralyzed. They're paralyzed in their life. But the Yetzirah comes to them, the negative inclination comes to them and convinces them that they're, no, 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 they're being very intellectual. They're being very sophisticated. They're considering it very deeply. Sometimes that's the case. 90% of the time it's not the case. Or it starts off being the case 100% of the time and then stops being the case 100% of the time. <laughs> In other words, one can begin to do something and being l'shem shamayim, do it for the sake of heaven at a certain point, but then on a very subtle level, it becomes a different situation at a different point because they're a different person at that point and so they don't require the same action as they did a week ago, a month ago, a year ago, five years ago. So that action that they took initially, which was to be very considered, made perfect sense at, their po at that point, but it doesn't make sense a year later, two years later, five years later. It doesn't make any sense. And that the rationale that they had initially, which was kosher, so to speak, is now, it's glot trafe at this point, you know? Because it doesn't really apply anymore. It applied at one point. Now it's just a mask to cover inaction. Now this idea, I'm thinking about it, is a mask to cover inaction. And that that inaction is inaction. That's what I'm trying to tell you. A lot of people think, oh, no, inaction is parv, right? It's not meat, it's not dairy. It's in between. I'm, I'm safe as long as I'm thinking. They don't realize, no, 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 no. It's not called thinking anymore. It's called doing nothing, which is inaction. A person has to be honest with themselves. And a lot of times that comes from why does a person do nothing? Because of fear. Fear is a, is, is a crippling, 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 you know, obstacle. But as my dad would say, a little of something is worth more than a truckload of nothing. You know? And a lot of people have something in their mind, like, um, I'll put it in my own terms, in a, in a, in a personal way. Let's say I have an idea for a, a movie or like a TV show or something like this. And in my heart, I think, ah, oh, this is such a good idea. It's, such a, it's a great idea, in fact. You know? So, so why am I not pitching it? Why am I not out there trying to sell the idea? Because in my mind, it's already a big hit. If I pitch it and no one wants it anymore, then I know it's... You know, in terms of its market value, it's worthless. So I don't want to be rudely acquainted with the truth that in terms of the market value of it, it's actually worthless. And as long as I do nothing, I live in my fantasy that I'm sitting on this zillion dollar thing. But, but, so, so that's, but that's the Yetzirah. See, the Yetzirah gets you to do nothing. And, and convinces you that you're actually winning. 
because you get to sit on this zillion dollar project because in your mind it remains a zillion dollar project. We're really, the reality is it's not worth anything. And then you're not pitching anything else. Why are you not pitching anything else? Because I, I got this zillion dollar project. <laughs> what do I have to, what do I have to come up with another idea for? I already got something with endless zeros attached to a one. What, I'm a sucker, I gotta work for nothing? So now it's gotten you to do no work whatsoever. Look how good the Yetzirah is. So I'm telling you that it's an angel. You're not going to beat an angel. It says in the Gemara itself that the Yetzirah is stronger than a person. That you can't beat the Yetzirah. But Hashem, as a gift out of His love, gives you divine assistance and then you can beat the Yetzirah. Right? But you have to understand who you're up against. You're up against a, 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 a great supernatural force. Remember, as Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haber explains it, the Yitzhak is connected to Esav. That's Yaakov's, Jacob's twin brother. Remember, when, it, when, when, when Jacob wrestles with the angel, the, the Rashi brings there that that was the, the, the Sarah Esav, that was the guardian angel of, of the nation of Esav. Right? But it's associated with the Yetzirah, with the negative inclination. Okay? So Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver points out something, which is Yaakov, remember, that's, that's the father of the Jewish people, right? Avraham is too, but remember, Yaakov is the one who has all the tribes. Excuse me. Yaakov has this supernatural, the Jewish people have this supernatural quality to them. But, but Rav Yitzhak Isaac Haver points out very very pointedly, that in the womb at the same time is Esav. That means Esav also has a supernatural quality. So the Yetzirah, that's the angelic quality of the Yetzirah. It also has this, this ability that's beyond. So you need divine assistance in order to be able to conquer it. And a person, a person can't stop taking action. That's the thing. And, and, and so, let me ask you something. Imagine, imagine, imagine you have, in your mind, a refrigerator full of food. Right? But the food really is all rotten. So you say, why should I go shopping for more food? Because I've got a refrigerator full of food. Meanwhile, you're starving. <laughs> so better to open up the refrigerator, realize that there's nothing in there, throw it out, and then go get some food. instead of being boxed into this corner. So, so again, you see, if we can reframe it and see that sometimes failure can be liberating, and what do I mean that by that, that failure can be liberating? Let's say, again, to keep it in my own personal example, if I can pitch that project and have no one buy it, Okay, well, the immediate outcome is failure. Oh, it's horrible. I thought it was going to be so good. It's terrible. But now look how liberated I am. 
Now I've got that, I've got that thing that had been paralyzing me out of my life, and I can actually now move on to being productive again. And maybe the next one is going to actually work. Right? Because God feeds his children. So you're able to move on, and, and I'm applying this to something business-oriented, but this could also be in terms of shidduchim, also in terms of marriage choices. You know, there's some people who are just, you know, they, they fantasize that that's the person for me. You know what? At a certain point, it could be that person is absolutely not the person for you, and you just got to move on. So, you know, I'm talking about dating right now. I'm talking about in the category of dating. And I saw from Yehuda HaChassid something very interesting. He was, you know, one of the great um, Kabbalists around the 1200s. Um, and has, had, you know, was one of the individuals who really shaped Judaism and Jewish thought and things like that. And I saw something very interesting from him, which is on the subject of shidduchim, of, of, you know, like dating and, you know, picking someone. When, 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 Abraham, when, when Abraham and Lot split up, right, if you, if you look at that chapter, Abraham reaches the conclusion that, you know, this isn't happening with Lot. And he says to Lot, you pick a field. If you pick left, I'll go right. If you pick right, I'll go left. And so, very surprisingly, or it's very intriguing, Yehuda HaChassid applies that to dating. He says, you know what? If it's not working out, go right or left, move on right away. (laughs) Interesting, you know? Now, I'm not telling you to um, don't mislearn what I'm saying. Oh, I wanted to take her out to Chinese she wanted Italian. Ah, it's over. <laughs> right? And I know because I heard from a 12th century Kabbalist that, you know, this is just never going to happen. So I'm really being holy. No, you're being an idiot. You know what I mean? You have to understand when to apply this. You give a relationship a chance. But at a certain point, if it's clear that it's over, then, then you don't keep it in the refrigerator like rotten food. That, that's the point. That's the point. Um, so, so let's wrap it up. And let's review. You know, we've been saying it for the last couple of weeks now. But it's very, very important, I think, just because uh, this is our lives right now. This is, this is really, Mamish, our lives that, that, that are coming up for review right now. So nothing could be, the stakes could not be higher. Nothing could be more important right now than making sure that we get it right for the coming year. Nothing could be more important right now. And remember, this is not just our lives, this is our families, this is our communities, this is the whole world, literally the whole world. And it says that Hashem's judgment goes on all the people of the world, everything, even the angels in heaven. God is, 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 is making a judgment on even the angels in heaven. Okay, so this is as, as, as broad and sweeping as, as could be imagined. Okay? So with that in mind, we want to make sure that our mazel for the year 
that the circumstances that Hashem is going to tailor make for us for the coming year should be of, of, of you know, optimally positive value. And in order to ensure that, we want to make sure that Hashem isn't building in obstacles to make sure that we have the time to take care of other old business. So this way, if we get rid of the old business, right, projects, promises, character traits that haven't been addressed, mitzvahs that haven't been committed to, if we get that out of the way, then the circumstances of our life that are coming up can be designed for a new us. And that God takes extra seriously any changes that we're making right now. Any changes that we're making right now are not, ah, so he's always late, so once he shows up on time. It's not how God views it at all. God views it, oh, oh, look at this person. Used to be late, now he's on time. This is a new person. And it was so hard for him to be on time, even more so. Wow, even more so a new person. We can do that for ourselves. We can do that for the world. We can do it for each other. Because, you know, when when you become someone who's, you know, a person of integrity and things like that, if you say something, then it means something. In other words, if you make a recommendation about someone else, it means something. I'm talking about praying for each other. Let me, let me make the point more clearly. My father once uh, told me a story. He said that there was a poor man in a, in a village. And I don't know if this is a true story about Rothschild, but I think that's the name that he used. Um, and, and let's just say it was a rich man. Okay, So the poor man goes up to the rich man because I don't know if this is a true story, but it illustrates a very, very good point. The poor man goes up to the rich man and asks for a loan. And the rich man says to the poor man, you know something? I'm going to give you something even better than a loan. So what does he do? He puts his arm around the man, and he walks down the street with him, down the main street of the village. That's the end of the story. Do you understand? Do you understand? Everyone in the town saw that the richest man in the town loves this man and that this man is of extreme value to the richest man. What he did was he took this man's reputation and credibility and importance and he lifted it all the way to the sky. Now all of a sudden, people look at this man completely differently. Now, when this man says something or asks for something or whatever it is, people hear it with a whole new set of ears. You understand? So if you can, if each one of us can elevate ourselves, right, with our actions, then when we pray for someone else, then God says, oh, look who's praying. (laughs) And you want this for that person? Oh, well, you know. You're a very special person in my eyes, right? We're all special, but you're extra special in my eyes. And you want to make sure that that person's getting married or that person's having a kid or that person has health or that person has good finances. So from you, it means extra, right? So, so 
What I'm saying is, is that if we can lift ourselves up, not only are we going to get a better year for ourselves, God willing, but our prayers will also be more, even more effective for when we pray for everybody else. So Hashem should really bless us that we should have clarity and focus and that we should understand a little of something is better than a lot of nothing, right? And that we shouldn't just clear, clear, the project, clear the refrigerator of the rotten food, right? Put it out there. If it's meant to be, it'll happen. If not, you're better to be disillusioned or disabused of the value of something if it's stopping you from doing more. Okay? And, uh, you know, have a great week. <laughs>